Father, your kingdom, the dome in which you are king, that reflects the beauty of your kingship. It's altogether lovely and altogether beautiful and altogether peaceful um, and altogether joyful. Uh, it looks like Calvary in terms of its love. And our prayer, God, is that we would be participants in that dome right here and right now. So much in the world, God, uh, works against that, but we, Lord, we, we choose to yield to the Holy Spirit who's calling us, pulling us to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, representatives of that dome, the mustard seed dome of the kingdom that's going right now. And Lord, we pray that you would anoint this message with spirit and with power to accomplish all that you will and that it will not return void. Lord, I pray that it would tear down strongholds that people have uh, allowed to take root in their life maybe for years and years. And I pray that this message, this moment, would be a turning point in their life where they manifest the truth of who they are in the dome in which you are king. Lord God, so infuse it, we pray, Holy Spirit. We trust your power, not the eloquence of words or the wisdom of humans. And we ask you to be sovereign here and do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 We've been talking about the kingdom of God, and we probably will be till the kingdom is fully come, because there's really nothing else to talk about. It's, uh, this is it. It, it. it encompasses everything. It's what we're called to be. And uh, last week, uh, we, we addressed the whole issue of the, the tsunami and tried to have a kingdom understanding of that. And what we saw last week, in case you didn't know, is that the creation is really, really screwed up. It's a mess. It's a mess. It wasn't created that way, but it's become that way. We saw last week that the way God originally created the world was such that it would manifest the dome in which he is king. It would reflect his loving, gentle, kind character. It would not reflect the character of a roaring lion, pray, praying about, prowling about, seeking whom he may devour, the way that the Bible describes Satan, it reflects that now, but it didn't originally. We saw last week that in Genesis 1, God originally gave the vegetation to the animals and to humans to eat. Uh, in the original creation, there would be no violence. In the original creation, no, one, no blood would have to be shed for another to live. But of course, the creation we're in now is not at all like that. It was non-violent at the start, but now it's become a very violent thing. Something has gone seriously wrong. What's gone wrong is that uh, there was a rebellion, first in the heavenly realm, then on the earthly realm. Uh, God made angels free because without freedom there cannot be genuine love, just like he made human beings free. And we're taught that a certain percentage of the angels, we don't know how many, but a certain percentage rebelled against God and went their own way and created, as it were, a civil war in the heavenly realm. And that at some point, where we read about this in Genesis 3, human beings were brought into this rebellion. We were co-opted into the enemy's rebellion. And while God created us to be the lords and the guardians of this earth, the administrators of his loving providence, our job was to let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, to let him be the dome in which, in which to let our lives be the dome in which he is king, and then we make the earth the dome in which we are king, and therefore God reigns over the whole thing. Whereas that was the original creation, we who were the ordained guardians of the earth, we surrendered our authority over to 
the principalities and powers that were hostile to God and in rebellion against God. And when we did that, we unleashed the demonic into the world. And now the world is under the stronghold of that army of rebellious powers. This is why the Bible calls Satan the God of this age. He's called the God of this age. He's called the principality and power of the air. He's called the ruler of the world. The Bible says that he owns all the nations of the world. All the nations of the world. He controls the entire world. It says in 1 John chapter 5. It says that he has the power of death. In Hebrews chapter 2. Now death, in terms of our ordinary understanding of this present world, death is a very natural thing. It's the second law of thermodynamics applied to the human system. And yet... The Bible says that Satan that owns the power of death, which tells you that at least some of the laws that operate in the creation have been corrupted. They're under a diabolical influence. Nothing in this world operates the way, exactly the way it's supposed to operate. And see, if you have this worldview, this isn't what we want to hear, I know. And it's, it's not the good news. It's, it's not the most pleasant thing to think about. This is why a lot of people just ignore it. We pretend like this isn't a reality. We want a nice, beautiful world. We want the world that Louis Armstrong sang, sang about. I say to myself, it's a wonderful world. And that's what we want, so we just kind of want to push this out of our, our mind. But see, what we wish is true does not make it true. What's true is that we're in a war zone. As C.S. Lewis said, every square inch of the cosmos is claimed by Satan and counterclaimed by God. And the polluting influence of the demonic saturates every square inch of the cosmos. And if that is your worldview, if you understand that we're at war, it totally changes the way you think about tsunamis. Last night I was listening to a Christian talk show on the way home from the service, and I don't know why I do that to myself, but... Uh, uh, and this guy was saying, he was addressing this issue... And, and, and here he said that the tsunami, God brought about the tsunami, tsunami, A, because we deserve it, because we're sinners, and B, to remind us that he's all-powerful. Now, enter into that. I, 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 it's, uh, God is, whoosh, let's kill 160,000. And he's, he's saying, I just wanted to let you know that I can do that. I, see, th th I never recall Jesus doing anything like that, and Jesus is our definitive clue as to what God is like. And if Jesus wouldn't have done it, we have no reason to think God did it. But see, you don't even need a Satan if God's acting like that. I mean, it's like, it's, uh... But see, if you understand that there really is war going on, that we are in a war zone, it won't always be this way, but it's this way now, it changes your understanding of everything. The, the cosmos has been corrupted. Human nature's been corrupted. Animal nature's been corrupted. Nothing is operating exactly it was, as it was supposed to. We still can see there's a remnant of the glory of God in creation, and there's a remnant of the glory of God in every human being, but you also see a lot of non-God stuff in nature, and you see a lot of non-God stuff in human beings. Paul goes so far as to say this in Romans uh, chapter 8. The entire creation was subjected to futility. Uh, that concept of futility just means it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. If your faucet doesn't work, it's a futile faucet. Okay, the, the creation was subjected to futility. It's not, it's not running right. In hope that the creation itself will be set free. Someday it will be set free from its bondage to decay. Decay was never part of the original plan. This is, we're in bondage to decay. 
We weren't supposed to age like this. And someday we shan't be aging any longer. But uh, and some of you don't need any convincing of this. You, are, you, you feel the bondage of decay on a daily basis. But see, it wasn't meant to be that way. It was subjected to the bondage of decay, to futility. But someday it will obtain, Paul says, it will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. When the children of God are restored as the rulers, the creation will be uh, restored. But until then, the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. What we saw a couple of weeks ago was a labor pain. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a pain like a labor pain. It's not producing something good. It's just as, it, the, the intensity is like the kind of pain you have when you're in labor. The creation is groaning, and we ourselves are groaning. Now, Jesus entered this fallen, corrupt war zone. For four reasons. Number one, he wanted to reveal what the true God is like because in a corrupt, fallen, demonically oppressed creation, it's very easy to get screwed up ideas about God. It's very difficult to have a, a picture of God in your mind that is even close to as lovely and as beautiful as he actually is. There's all sorts of things in our brain that keep telling us, no, he can't possibly be that good, can't possibly be that lovely. So Jesus is God incarnate. He comes down to earth and dies on the cross to show, what, show us what God's love is like. This is why he's called the word of God, the image of God, the form of God, the perfect expression of God, and why he says, if you see me, you see the Father. He, he reveals what the true God is like and how important it is in the midst of this war zone that we keep, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and know that we know that we know that this is what God is like. The God who dies on the cross for those very people who crucify him, that's what God is like. Jesus comes to reveal God. Jesus comes to defeat the devil and his legions. Earth became a sort of Normandy beach where D-Day was fought and the war turned in the event of the cross and the resurrection. Jesus came to restore all of creation. The atonement is not just about us human beings. It involves the whole creation because the whole creation has fallen. And so as we saw last week, the entire creation will someday be restored, reconciled to God, and will once again reflect the beauty of, the, of, of, of its creator. And the, Jesus came to save and enthrone, re-enthrone human beings as the guardians of this, this earth. That's why it says in Revelations 5.10 and, and 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, I believe, that we shall reign with him on the earth. That was always God's intention, and someday that will be restored. We'll reign with him on the earth. He'll be Lord over all, and we'll carry out his will on earth as it is in heaven. That's the point of the whole thing. Now, here's the question I want us to, to wrestle with here for the next half hour. If Jesus came to restore the creation, why isn't the creation restored? If Jesus came to defeat the devil, why isn't the devil yet defeated? If Jesus came to restore human beings to their original place as guardians of this earth, why aren't we yet restored? Why do we yet uh, suffer under tsunamis rather than having authority over them? And the, the biblical answer to this question is very, very important for us, our, the, the self-understanding of kingdom people. So listen very carefully. In the New Testament, there is a distinction, a very important distinction made between what has already been accomplished in principle on the one hand and what is not yet manifested as fact on the other. There, there's, there, there's this distinction. It has in principle already been done, but it's not yet manifested as fact. One of the, the verses that express this tension between the already and the not yet uh, one of the passages that express it best is Hebrews chapter 2, where the author says this. 
you have made them, referring to human beings, a little lower, for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now, in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. What the author is doing there is quoting a psalm, and he's simply saying that the original intention of God and what Jesus accomplished was that human beings would be the lords of the earth. All things would be subjected to us. We'd be subjected to God. All things are subjected to us, so all things are subjected to God. That was the original intention. We blew it with the rebellion, but now Jesus has restored it. But now listen to this. He says, as it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them. But we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Uh, what the author is saying there is this. It has been accomplished. It's, it's a done deal in principle. But we don't yet see it. It's not yet manifested. Now what we do see is Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the restoration of humanity. Uh, he is what we shall look like. It says in 1 John 3 that when he shall appear, we shall see him as he is, for we shall be like him. He is the, sort of the pl God's pledge for our future. He is the uh, firstborn from among the dead, the Bible says. He's the first fruit of creation. We do see him, and that reassures us that the rest is coming. It is a done deal. Look at Jesus. But in our experience, we don't yet see it manifested. I want us to really understand this, this tension between the already and the not yet. There's this interval of time. But one, one good way of getting at it is to contrast the Christian view of history with the traditional Jewish view of history. Uh, when, when Jesus came into the world, the, the traditional Jewish view was this. Uh, there was the, the creation was created good. There was no violence. Then the rebellion came, or what's classically called the fall. And we surrendered our authority over to the devil. And now we live in what was called the present evil age. In fact, Paul uses that exact term in Galatians chapter 1. It's the age where we're under demonic oppression, the age that's subjected to futility, the bondage of decay, that age in which nothing works exactly like it was supposed to. And in the traditional Jewish view, they believed that the Messiah was going to come. And when the Messiah came, they believed everything would be instantaneously restored. Uh, they, they were looking for a, a political uh, Messiah who would come and vanquish all forces of evil and restore the creation to what it was supposed to be, which would include restoring Israel to the position it was supposed to have. The age to come, or the kingdom of God, they believed would come as soon as the Messiah came. In fact, if you ever evangelize Orthodox Jews today, you're very likely to get the objection to the idea that Jesus is the Messiah. They, they, they might object by saying, look it, there's still suffering in the world. The world is still under oppression. Therefore, Jesus couldn't have been the Messiah. Because when the Messiah comes, then, then uh, uh, things are supposed to be restored. Now, the Christian understanding is, is, is different in, an, in one important respect. We also believe that the creation was created good. We believe in the rebellion uh, that brought about the oppression of this age. We are living in the present evil age. The difference is this. When the Messiah came, he inaugurated the kingdom. He, in principle, brought about the age to come. But he didn't instantaneously bring about the manifestation of the age to come. That will happen when he returns. There's two stages to his coming into the world. And when he returns, what is called the parousia, it is second coming, that is when all that has been accomplished in principle on the cross and resurrection will be manifested as fact throughout all of creation. In the meantime, there's this interval stage 
where the mustard seed of the kingdom is growing. Jesus said, and this was a new teaching. It, it wasn't the traditional Jewish view. The, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, he says in Matthew 13. It's the smallest of all seeds. It's inconspicuous. You wouldn't ordinarily notice it, but it's planted in the ground, and it starts to grow. And eventually, it will take up the whole garden. But there's a process of going from what is true in principle to what is manifested as fact. This is the age we are in, where the kingdom is growing. Uh, in principle, the, the age to come is here, but it's only manifested as fact right now insofar as people are part of that dome in which God is king. Someday it will be manifested throughout all of creation, but it's not yet. The kingdom of God, if you can see it in, in, in that box there, that transitional box, picture a little circle uh, that's pulsating, that's growing. And, and, and it, it's, it's gradually taking over the world, not in any way that you can measure or notice. It's a mustard seed kingdom, but it is going on. The kingdom is, is what shall be right now. The kingdom of God is what shall be right now. It's the future in the present. It's the already in a world that is still not yet. It's inconspicuous, it's small, it, it grows in subtle ways without a lot of fanfare, but it is the future of the world manifested right now. The dome in which God is king, the kingdom of God that's growing right now, is not identical with the church because there are many that are in the institutional church that are not participants in the kingdom of God, and there are some outside the church that are participants of the kingdom of God, but it's growing. The difference between the kingdom of God in this present age and the world that, that it is growing in relationship to, it, it's not an issue of those who know all the true things against those who know all the false things. Nor is it a, an issue of those who have all the right ethics and morality as opposed to all those who have all the wrong ethics and morality. The contrast is not a simple contrast between good and evil. The world's much more ambiguous than that. But in this one respect, it is unambiguous. The dome in which God is king looks like Jesus Christ. And, in a, and, and it is distinct when it's manifested in a world that doesn't look like Jesus Christ. The mustard seed kingdom always has Calvary quality love to it. And it shines in a world that doesn't have Calvary quality love. The kingdom of God is manifesting the new creation that Jesus brought about on the cross in a world that's yet living in the old creation. The kingdom of God is the already in a world that's still not yet. The kingdom of God manifests the future of the world. Now, one way that the Bible really uh, helps us understand this is by using the analogy of first fruits. Christians are, are, are said to be first fruits. First fruits was uh, uh, the, the, the first uh, part of a harvest in the Old Testament. You find it throughout the Old Testament. It says this in Exodus chapter 23. The Lord says, The choicest of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. As the harvest was growing, it got to be the time where, where a few, there, a few uh, uh, of the crop looked ripe enough to pick. And the job of the Israelite was to pick that crop, the first fruits or the vegetables, but they used the term fruit to cover both. They'd, they'd, they'd pick the crop and they'd offer it up to God. They weren't allowed to eat it. They had to give it to God. And in doing that, what they were saying is, Lord, we acknowledge that this crop comes from you. Where they're also saying, we trust that, you'll, that you that begun a good work will complete it, complete it to the end. Because if this crop doesn't come through, we starve to death. Remember, Israel was an agricultural society. And so as much as they would like to keep that first fruit and eat it, they trusted God and surrendered it over to him. 
It was also a way of saying, God, we, 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 we not only acknowledge that, that uh, you are the one who gave this blessing, and we not only acknowledge that we're going to trust you for the rest of the blessing, but we acknowledge that this whole crop belongs to you. And so we give you the first fruits. And that, I might say, incidentally, is, is the kingdom principle of giving throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, we are to recognize, as we sang this morning, that, that the abundance that we have, however big or small it is, comes from God, and we're to give him the first fruit of that. Uh, we're to give him our best. We're to give him off the top, not off the bottom. We're not to give God our leftovers. That doesn't acknowledge his proper place in our life. You see what I'm saying? And so we are to, uh, following his lead, make a decision about what belongs to him, and off the top that comes, and we dedicate it to him. And we say, God, we're going to trust you for our finances. We acknowledge that this blessing comes from you. Uh, we acknowledge that you own it all, so you have the first fruit. Now, that's the idea of first fruits. Now, what's interesting, and I think so profound, is that the New Testament calls kingdom people now first fruits of what shall come. And so it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we must always give thanks to God for you, Paul says, brothers and sisters beloved of the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Apparently there's more fruit coming, but those who believe now are the first fruits. James 1 says, in fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his, of his creatures. We're, we're the first pickings of the kingdom crop. We manifest now which shall be true for all creatures later on. Revelations 14. It is these, referring to the church, who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. That's our job. It's just to follow the Lamb, to look like the Lamb. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and look like Jesus. That's what he's saying. They have been redeemed from humankind as first fruits, first fruits for God and the Lamb. We are the, the first pickings of the crop. We manifest now, this is, our, this is the main thing we're supposed to do, we manifest now what is coming in abundance later on. We are to be heaven and a very hellish earth, manifesting the heaven that shall, in the end, define the whole earth. Okay, there's a lot of puzzled faces, so let's make it concrete here, ready? Right. What, what? I almost titled this sermon, Back to the Future. It would have been, you know, we, we're the future, we are the future now. Uh, but it's a little bit puzzling. Okay, so it's like this. Let's make it concrete. So, here we, it, ooh, this is rotten. Uh, I don't want to, uh. all right. Um, do you know how hard it is to get uh, husked corn in Minnesota in January? <laughs> Do you know how expensive it is? Let's take up another offering. Okay, no. Okay, so, see, pretend like, like, like you didn't know what these were. You know, pretend like you're, you, know, you grew up in the city and, and, you never, and, and you never saw corn in your life. And you look at these things and it's like, what are these things? What are these things? They're ugly green things. You know, they, they, what's their purpose? Maybe they're drumsticks. I, I don't know what, what they exist for. Uh, yeah, you can't eat them. They're unedible, ugly green things with kind of carrot tops. You know, it's just, uh, and, and they're just there. Now, now uh, suppose you have a whole field of these just sitting there. And, and the, the, these corn, if they could think to themselves, they'd be saying, what am I? I'm trapped in this encasing. I'm an ugly, green, unedible thing. You see, they're talking to each other. Man, life really is the pits. Why do we exist? I don't know. <laughs> Let's go feed ourselves to the pigs. <laughs> okay, now the first fruit. 
you have a whole crop like this. They're just sitting there, you know. And now the, the husker, or the farmer, uh, goes over and, 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 and picks one and begins to peel it. And off comes that old corn nature. Off comes the husk, this, this thing that entrapped it, that, that concealed its true nature, this, this, this ugly, unedible green stuff that, that uh, uh, just hid and suppressed the true nature of what it is. Because it turns out that it's, it's an ear of corn. A wonderful yellow, edible uh, ear of corn. And see, the job of uh, the, this new corn is just to be what it is. It's been picked. It's been peeled away. Uh, what the Bible is saying is that here's, you, here, here's the human race in its old nature. It's all, it, it, we're, we're encased in, 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 in these husks uh, that, that make us wonder why we exist. What's our purpose? It conceals who we truly are. But, but there are now, even now, some who have been picked. Uh, who, have, who now have been peeled, who manifest the future of this. Uh, this is the sign of, of what is coming. These are the first fruits. They really manifest now, really manifest now, what will be true later on. But they do it in the, in the now. They are the already in a world, in a crop full of not yets. Uh, they manifest what it is to be an ear of corn. And what it is to peel off that old green husky nature. And what it is to be the edible ear of corn that you were created to be. In a world of unpicked, unedible green things, we are called to manifest corn. Okay? I don't know, is this working? Maybe it's a little corny, I don't know. <laughs> See, we sang it, we sang it earlier on. Um, uh, but uh, someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we choose to do it now. We manifest now what will be true later on. Someday everything will be subjected to the beautiful, lovely lordship of Jesus Christ. So we subject our lives now. You see, we do it in the now. Someday, someday God will be all in all. The Bible says that. So we let God be all in all in our life right now. Someday the love of God will define the whole of creation. So we let the love of God define the whole of ourselves right now. Uh, someday, the, the joy and the peace of God will saturate every square inch of the cosmos. So we let the joy and the peace of God saturate every square inch of our being right now. Someday, there'll be no more sin and there'll be no more violence in creation. And so we purge our lives of sin and we purge our lives of every violent inclination now. We want to manifest what shall be true right here and right now. Because that's who we really are. We really are corn. We, we really are yellow. We really are edible. This is the lie. This is the truth. And so what we're called to do is just manifest the truth. The, 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 the life and the love and the joy and the peace uh, that will be true of the kingdom throughout all creation when it's finally come, it is in us now. It, it defines us right now. So peel off this ugly, unedible green stuff and shine as the future creation that you are already manifest the dome in which God is king right here and right now. Amen. Amen. You see, what often happens, especially in American Christianity, is you get, you get, you get the corn, and it's all, you know, it's all husked up, and, and, and people will say, oh, I, I believe Jesus is Lord. You know, yes, I believe the Bible's true. But they stay in the husk, and they're waiting around to die, wanting God to magically make them, you know, perfect once they die. So they just go along, and they never manifest any of the reality of the kingdom. They have a theoretical belief in the kingdom, but there's no experiential reality to it. But now hear this. 
God doesn't call us to believe in theoretical realities. God calls us to a reality. I'm talking reality here. The kingdom of God is not a theoretical idea. It's a reality. It's not yet perfectly manifest in this creation, but what's real is that God wants it manifested in us. The kingdom of God, the love of God, is, is, is a reality that is right now to permeate our life. And it's not a theoretical belief system. We've been plucked. That's who you really are. You've been peeled. That's who you really are. You really are corn. You really are yellow. yellow. You really are edible. Just manifest it. Be it. And let everything inconsistent with that fall away. So let me say two things about this now. In 15 minutes. Right. Okay, here we go. Number one, manifesting the first fruits of the kingdom, which is what we are. If you're a kingdom person, you've surrendered your life to, the dome, to, to Jesus Christ. Your life, therefore, is in principle a dome in which God is king. That means you're a kingdom person. And, and to manifest the first fruits that you are requires letting the husk be peeled off of you. What's keeping you from manifesting that is that you've got the old creation husk still on you. And if you're going to manifest and yourself enjoy, let alone manifest to the world the truth of who you are, you've got to let the green, un, uh, ugly, unedible green stuff get peeled off of you. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. He doesn't say pretend like there's a new creation or believe that there's a new creation. There is a new creation. You are a new creation. You are no longer this ugly, unedible green thing. You are, you are a very edible, beautiful, lovely thing. There's a new creation. And then he says, everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. So he's saying this. You are a new creation. Be it. The old has, ha the old has passed away. Let it pass. You're a stock of corn or an ear of corn, so get peeled, is what he's saying. Behold, everything is new. Be new. Don't let the old define you. Be new. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, you were taught to put away your former way of life. That old, ugly, unedible, green way of life. No, put it off. Your old self, corrupted and deluded by its lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And clothe yourself with that new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What he's saying is, put off that old, unugly, edible green stuff. Just put it off. Just, just come on, get rid of it. You know, that, that old self that's corrupt. It's part of that corrupt world. It's part of that fallen world. It's part of that deceptive world. It's part of the, the evil present age. It's, it, it, it's full of lies. It's under the power of the enemy. It's pulled off. You know, that, 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 that the impulses that you have, the mindset that you had, the anger that you inherited from your father, and all those, just start peeling them off, peel them, get rid of them. Good luck cleaning this up when I'm done. And, and, and put off the old self. Manifest the new self. Now you're not creating the new self. You're just putting it on. You're just putting it on display by letting everything inconsistent with that fall to the wayside. Paul says in Romans 12, do not conform, conform any longer to the pattern of this world. No, 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 no. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The pattern of the world is the pattern of the unpicked corn. We're not children of the unpicked corn. We're children of the picked corn. <laughs> Uh, that, that analogy doesn't work. <laughs> Back to the future, children of the corn. <laughs> What's next? No, you see, don't be conformed to the pattern of the unpicked corn, the pattern of that old creation, the pattern of that bondage, the futility, the decay. Don't be conformed to that. No, obviously we are still living in that world and our bodies are still subjected to that world, but your innermost nature, your innermost nature doesn't participate in that world, it participates in the future world now. 
the already and the not yet, and manifest that. Put off that old self, put on that new self. Uh, Whatever is inconsistent with the true you, that reality that shall be universally manifested in the end, whatever's inconsistent with that, put it off now. Whatever's part of the pattern of the world, put it off now. Whatever is part of your old self, put it off now. This is what the Bible means when it says, die to yourself. If you lose your life, you shall find it. Everything that's inconsistent with heaven is not your true nature. Put it off now. Crucify it now. Know this. The Bible tells us that there's coming a time when the fire of God's hot love shall burn all that green stuff away. And that won't be pleasant. So put it off now. Uh, be picked now, be peeled now, manifest your true nature now, and you'll find that when you do that, many things that, that, that are considered normal in this present evil age, this age under corruption, many things that seem normal in this age, we'll be putting off. They're just not going to be normal to you. It's normal in this present age to live for yourself, to live in self-centeredness. But you know that the future world isn't going to be like that, so you, knew that, you know that that's not who you are right now, so put it off now. Die to yourself now. Find real life, the unpeeled life. Find it now. Seems normal, natural in this corrupted creation to hoard things for yourself, to look out for number one, to grab all the gusto you can get, and to just uh, live as comfortably and as conveniently as possible without bothering yourself too much with what else is going on in the world. But you know that when heaven shows up, no one's going to be like that. So you know that you're not like that now because you're part of heaven. So put that way of thinking off now. Uh, manifest the outrageous generosity uh, and love of, of, of the kingdom of God, that heaven that is coming, be it now. It's natural, inevitable, unfortunate, but pretty normal in this fallen world, at least this is how people think, to just sort of indulge every impulse that you have. If it feels good, it must be right. Shows like Desperate Housewives depicted as being normal for human beings to have the sexual ethics of a jaded fruit fly. Uh, it, it, it's, it, honestly, it's just like, you know, whatever you feel to do it, you know, whatever, and it's repressive not to. But see, you know that when, when the kingdom's fully come in creation, the world won't be like that. Uh, rather, the world will, will, will beautifully reflect the preciousness of human bodies, will beautifully reflect the, the, the glory of the image of God, and, and, and so you know that the future world will do that, and you're part of that future world. That's your real nature, so do it now. Manifest that now. Uh, bring every thought captive to Jesus Christ. Bring every impulse captive to Jesus Christ. Bring every craving captive to Jesus Christ. Uh, manifest what the world will look like when the whole world's brought captive to Jesus Christ. But you do it now because you're first fruits. You've already been picked, and he's in the process of peeling you. It seems natural in this fallen world certainly is, seems inevitable uh, that, that people uh, just resort to violence, violence to protect ourselves or violence when we're threatened or violence when it's going to advance our cause. We are violent in many, many ways. But you know when the, when the, when the, crea- when, when the new creation is fully come, when the kingdom is fully manifested, uh, there won't be any violence. It will reflect the perfect loving character of God. And you are the representative of that future world. You've already been picked. It's being manifested in you right now. So put off all violent inclinations. Purge yourself of that violence and and manifest the the, the reality that Jesus talked about when he said, love your enemies. 
Turn the other cheek. Bless those who persecute you. Uh, pray for those who despitefully use you. Never return evil with evil. Never retaliate, but return evil with good. That is so lunatic in this corrupt age. But it's exactly the future kingdom of God, and we are that now. So put it on. Manifest it. Be the unpeeled corn that God has saved you and created you to be. Amen. Amen. The first thing is manifesting the first fruits requires peeling off all the ugly, unedible green stuff. The second thing is this. The mustard seed kingdom grows as the first fruits reveal the future. The mustard seed kingdom grows as the first fruits reveal the future. Which means this. Our primary task as kingdom people is just to be the kingdom. To be the kingdom. I read this quote last week and it just landed on me. It's, it's by, by Gandhi. And, and he said, be the change that you want to see in the world. The best thing that a human being can do for the world is for you to be the change you want to see. Be it. Our fallen inclination is to try to fix the world, <laughs> to deflect attention off ourselves, to try to fix the world when it's we ourselves that need fixing. We like to look for specks in people's eyes when we've got two-by-fours in our own eyes. Uh, but what Gandhi says is, is no, no, the change you want to see, everything you want to fix, just be that. Just be that, and that will impact the world. It is an, actually a Christian principle. Just be the picked corn that God picked you to be, and that will further the picking of the crop. It's kind of like this. Here's how it is. You know, so you got all this corn up there, and it's, it's, it's sitting around, you know, wondering why do we exist you know, it, it's on the stalk, and it's, it's like, like, where does these unedible, ugly green things, we have no purpose, we don't, you know, the crows kind of peck at us once in a while, but that's not much fun. Why do we exist? And we're just sitting here in bondage, and all of a sudden, you know, boom, <laughs> one of us comes up. And, and, and now we manifest what it's like to get that ugly, hot husk off of you. And man, to be yellow instead of that ugly green, to be edible instead of that unedible stuff. And, and, and look how free it is to be this picked piece of corn. Now this, this is what we're created for. I found my purpose in life. I'm living the fullness of being a, a picked ear of corn. And, and we're celebrating that. We're just being who we are. And see, those who are ripe enough, where the Holy Spirit's been working in all of them and their hearts are now ripe, they're going to go, they're going to go, hmm, look at that. Check out that. You see, whoa. What are you? And, and, and we say, well, we're no different than you. We just, we, we just got picked and, and we yielded and, and, and the green stuff came off of us. And you can be this too. And this, thing is, this guy's saying, man, I've always wanted to have a purpose in life. I've always wanted to have meaning. I knew I was created for more. I didn't know what it was. I was in despair. But now look at this. I want that. And we say, good, just submit yourself to the, to the cosmic corn husker and he'll peel it all away. You know, and... Oops, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to get peeled. No. <laughs> you see, it, it, is, it is the attractiveness. It's the, this is how God wired. It's the beauty and the attractiveness of what, of what shall someday be real throughout all of creation. It's that that pulls people in. We're created for that. Those who are hungry. It's why Jesus was a magnet for tax collectors and prostitutes. The beauty of the fullness of life, of being the first fruits, is what makes others want to be first fruits. And, and they see that, and, and there's something that tells them, yes, this is what I was created for. Our main job is just to be unpeeled, picked corn ears. <laughs> it means this. We're, our main job is to be a window into the future. So when people see you, they see the future world. 
And the beauty of that future world makes them want to participate in that. And that's how the kingdom grows. It means that we're to be, as Ephraim Smith says, a sneak preview of heaven. People should see heaven in us. It means that we're already in the midst of the not yet. We're the pick corn in the midst of the unedible green things. We are heaven on earth, stationed at the gates of hell. Shine in hell. Find hell and shine. That's all we're created to do. Uh, we are to be God's will done on earth as it is in heaven in a world in which his will is not yet being done on earth as it is in heaven. Just be a walking, talking dome in which God is king. And if you do that, you will manifest the beauty of God, and that is attractive to the hungry world around us. In other words, just look like Jesus in a world that doesn't look like Jesus. And as people who are hungry for the life that only Jesus can bring, as they see that in your eyes, as they see it in your tone of voice, as they see it in your willingness to sacrifice for people in Indonesia that you don't even know, as they see it in your, in, in your kindness in your neighborhood, as they see the love, they're attracted to that and they're pulled into it. See, this is why, this is why it's so crucial and why I make a big point, as controversial as it is, in this culture, but it was such a big point to keep the kingdom of God separate from everything else. Yes. See, I, I, the, everything hangs on the unique holiness of the kingdom of God. Amen. And uh, the word holy isn't a purity law thing. The word holy means separate, distinct. The kingdom of God is altogether lovely. It looks like Jesus Christ. It's got a Calvary quality to it. It is the future world in the now. It's the already and the not yet. It, it, and, and the contrast between it and the rest of the world is, is, is uh, the all-important thing. We have to keep it separate. Uh, some politics may be better than other politics, but none of them are beautiful. Come on, give me a break. None of them look like Jesus Christ. And some nations are no doubt better than other nations. Wow, fine, wonderful, good. But no nation looks like Jesus Christ. No nation loves like Jesus Christ. No nation is as beautiful as Jesus Christ. Keep Jesus Christ separate. Uh, from, all, from the religion of the world, the nationalism of the world, the tribalism of the world, everything that is part of this old creation. Keep the kingdom of God separate from that. Our job is to be the first fruits now. You don't have to get mad at the unpicked corn for not being picked. Just be picked corn. You know, just, just be picked and peeled, and, and that's the best thing you can do for them. Don't get mad and judge the darkness. No, that's just more darkness. Just, just be light. Light has a way of dispelling darkness. Don't get mad and judge the sinners. Just be holy in, in the way that Jesus was, in a way that attracts them, not in a pompous, pharisaical way, but just in a, that separate, unique love way. Don't be afraid and try to control the culture and the world and all of that. Just submit your life to the king. Let him fix the world. You just be the dome in which God is king. Be the dome in which God is king. Be the love of the future now. Be the dome of the future now. Be the peace of the future now. Be the, the, the generosity of the future, be it now. Be, the someday, someday the world will be reconciled. There won't be ethnic and tribal and national divisions. Uh, that won't be true in the world that's coming, so we don't want that to be true now. That's why we work towards reconciliation. We want to manifest the reconciliation of the kingdom now. Uh, we, we want to we manifest the, 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 the universal love of the kingdom now. Everything that will be true then let it be true now. Let me put it like this. If you wouldn't do it in heaven, don't do it now. Because you are heavenly. And if it's, if it's going to characterize heaven, then let it characterize your life now. This is the central job of kingdom people. So I leave us with this question, and you just take it home. Live in this question. Live in this question. 
are you, are we living as the first fruit that we are? Do people see heaven in you, in your eyes, in the tenderness of your eyes, in your tone of voice, in, in the way that you incidentally meet people, in the way that you uh, greet people in the gathering area, but also in bigger ways, in the way that we bleed together for the world? Do people see heaven in you? Do people see heaven in me? Do people see heaven in us? They're supposed to. That's our main job. That's who we really are. Do we manifest kingdom life? Do you and I and we together manifest kingdom life? Do we manifest kingdom joy? Do we look like Jesus dying on Calvary for those who crucified him? Or I might put it in a negative way. What are the ugly, unedible green things in your life that's keeping you from shining as the future, as the ambassador of the future that you are? See it and yield to the Holy Spirit who is even right this moment trying to pull that away from your life. You've been used to that ugly, inedible green thing. You've always lived with it. You've always been like this, perhaps. This is, if it feels insecure to give it up. Oh, trust him and let it go. You don't need to get angry to, to be a man. You, you know, you can let that one go. You don't need to live in rage. You can let that one go. You don't need to gratify every impulse. You can let it go. Uh, you don't need to fear suffering now and then. You can let that one go. Let the green stuff get peeled off and be the beautiful, yellow, edible ear of corn that it created you to be. Would you close your eyes to pray? I want to say that as we're dismissed, if you have any need that you would like to have prayed for and you want to come forward, uh, we'll have prayer teams up here, and they would love to pray with you. Maybe you've got some ugly, unedible green things that you need to get uh, freed from. Uh, they'll be happy to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your, your heart, genuinely surrendered your heart to the King of Kings, then you're not part of the dome in which God is king. You're not a participant in the, in the kingdom of God. And if you're interested in getting picked, if you're interested in getting peeled, if you're interested in getting what the Bible calls saved, if you're interested in, in being a participant in that future kingdom, then come up here to my right, your left. There's a table up front here, and there'll be a person who would love to explain to you what's involved in that and just give you some free literature. And uh, start that walk. Start that walk with Jesus Christ. So, Father, uh, we, we, we end with the same prayer that we began with. Your kingdom is the already and the not yet, Lord. It's a mustard seed kingdom. It's altogether beautiful, altogether lovely, altogether glorious. It looks like Jesus dying on Calvary for those who crucified him. And Lord, you've called us to be first fruits. In a world of uh, ugly, unedible green things, that's who we were, but you've picked us, and now you're in the process of cleaning us up. Help us to yield and let that fully be accomplished. Help us to be light in darkness, love in a world of hatred, violence, and apathy, peace in a world of anxiety. God, just to represent the dome in which you are king, and we know that you will use that to spread your dome and eventually take over the world. Help us to be that, starting in the gathering area, in the parking lot, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said one more time, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Go out and do the kingdom.